When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 230. The big 230 for the old 2023. Uh... It's kind of similar. <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. It's there. I mean, I guess we're catching up to the years exponentially. Maybe not exponentially, but quickly because it's once a week. And anyway, I'm not going to get into that. The big old tangent about years and numbers and anything. But we're going to be discussing how and why and whatever full stack development has changed. Mike and I have had conversations about this off the air, and there's been some... I don't know, ruminating or discussion or whatever you want to call it on Twitter about how full stack development has gotten so, say, cluttered or advanced or there's too many topics that there's debate as to whether someone can actually even really be a full stack developer because how can you be a more than like a hobbyist level at so many pieces of tech? So we're going to talk about a bunch of the tech like Next and Nux and Svelkit and a bunch more. It's just a little preview. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And I just want to do one little quick little thing before we start. Uh, I don't know if somebody shared our TikTok. Mike and Mike knows I've been freaking out about our TikTok. Uh, by the time this comes out, it would have been more than a week and probably more videos would have been published. But I published a little video, a little little video called CSS variables in 60 seconds or less. I published this on TikTok, on Instagram, which includes reels and Facebook and all that stuff because it reshares it everywhere. And then also YouTube shorts. And um, I thought YouTube shorts was going to take off. It did not, at least as of recording this. But our TikTok, I mean, in relation to our other videos, it has exploded. We're at 7,276 views on that one video. And I'm getting, every time I come back to the app, I'm getting like plus 10, plus five, plus 20, plus 60 followers. We were fighting to get 100 followers. Now we're heading right into 400 in um, a couple of days since it blew up because TikTok takes some days to push out the video, of course, as a, as per the algorithm. So um, if you shared it or whatever, you liked it or whatever, there's going to be more of this type of content coming out. There may already be a video or two out once you're listening to this. I just want to thank everybody. And also go check out our TikTok as I run the TikTok. Mike runs the Twitter. I run the TikTok. It's just HTML, all the things right on there at HTML, all the things. Uh, come check us out and we're doing short tutorial stuff and do some podcast podcast clips and maybe more content in the future as I come up with more ideas. But anyway, there's the Mike's episode. I just wanted to thank anyone who shared and liked and all that stuff. Mike, please, sir, take it away. I liked it. So I'll, I'll appreciate the thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay no it was it was good it was a great video i enjoyed it and uh there's plenty more to come where that where that's coming and but with that i want to just jump right into this topic because i'm kind of excited about it uh to preface before we get in too heavily i do want to say that this topic is a little bit advanced we are talking about full stack development and 
it might throw you off a little bit here and there. There's going to be some jargon. Just throwing that out there. There's going to be some weird jargon out that you might not understand. But I will try to break it down into real human language as much as I possibly can. And I think a high-level understanding, like if you're just getting into web development, a high-level understanding of a full-stack development flow is a good thing to have. So stick with us. Stick through it. Let us know what you think of an episode like this that's a little bit more advanced. For the people that are a little bit more advanced, curious what you think about that as well. Because usually, again, we cater to a more, you know, junior developer market. But now I want to kind of see where we're at with that. I just want to talk about full stack development, first of all. Full stack development usually is meant for building. It's usually done by building two kind of separate projects, right? One project would be the front end. So the interface, the UI. And the other project would be the back end, which would be something like the APIs, the authentication, and the database. And what you would do is you would use, you would just connect them together with APIs. So they would just communicate with each other. They would be hosted in two separate areas. That, that's a very typical web development front end stack that happens all the time. You know, you have a PHP backend or a Node.js backend, whatever, and you have something like a React or a Vue.js front end that talk to each other. The trend in the last few years, though, has been moving towards keeping that front end and back end together, hosted in one single place and stored in one single repository, right? So, and then sometimes even keeping multiple of these front ends. So, if you have, let's say, utilities application inside, maybe an internal dashboard that's communicating with the same back end, all in one kind of mono repo. Now, this isn't the first time that something like this is happening. This isn't like a revelation of putting everything in one repo. This has been happening for a really long time, especially in PHP-based frameworks like WordPress. Like if you think about it, WordPress is a mono repo that does full stack development. It handles all the backend stuff, the CMS, everything, and it handles all the front end templating and serves it to the, to the web server and to the, ho- to the clients all in one repo, all from one configuration. That's what, uh, that's where the JavaScript-based frameworks are heading now. So the PHP was doing it for a long time. Obviously, Java, a bunch of other things. Like there was a lot of different languages. This isn't exclusive to web development. But with JavaScript, this has been not the common, not a common practice, right? Maybe three years ago, four years ago, this wasn't a, a, as much of a thing. But now we're starting to see it take shape and start to see it grab hold of the industry. With that, let's talk about the actual technology that's powering this, right? Like what's actually causing that shift of a momentum? Why are we going to a mono repo style, you know, one, one, one repo style uh, full stack app? It's because of technologies like Next.js, Nux.js, and SvelteKit. These frameworks on top of frameworks have made it a lot easier for us to combine the two together. Now, they're not perfect. There are some limitations. I'll talk about that in a second. But for the most part, for basic web applications that need some communication on the back end and some you know, UI on the front end, they are a one-stop solution, which is awesome. Now, Next, Nuxt, and SvelteKit are built on React, Vue, and Svelte, respectively, obviously. They're a more in-depth, more feature-complete package, essentially, of those frameworks. They have stuff like, uh, 
routing built in where you can cert- where you can ha- actually do file-based routing similar to how you would do on like a static application with HTML, CSS and HTML, right? You would have like a index.php for your homepage or index.html for your homepage. You would have an about.html for your about page and then you would just link it with the slash about. Uh, you can do a very similar scenario with these file-based routing systems inside NextNux and SvelteKit. You can have a folder called slash or a folder with an about name and anything in that folder would then be accessible in a slash about uh, URL on your application. So when you're linking to stuff, you can link to file-based routing just like you would in a static application. So that's a really cool feature that they add. They add some other quality of life uh, packaging features. They also add a really big one for uh, static site rendering or server-side rendering uh, or static site generation, I should say, or server-side rendering. I should clarify what those are as well. Um, Essentially, these frameworks use a Node.js server, which allows you to tap into a lot of the Node.js Express API stuff to build your app. And so similarly, <clears throat> similar to how you think about a PHP app where you have the PHP server or the rendering out and serving it with Apache, the Node.js server can do the same thing. It can create different routes. It can uh, build your application into HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and it can serve it just like an Apache server would serve it in general. So that's what these appli- that's what these frameworks are allowing you to do. They're allowing you to serve a client client side application like a React side framework, uh, like a client side framework, in a server based environment. So you can render out the pages, render out the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript on the Node.js side, and when you, the client requests it, they will actually just receive HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So I'm going to ask you a question about this. So I don't really touch this stuff that much. So this is going to be a beginner question. But so you have your Node.js and you're saying that it's going to be sort of a replacement for your Apache server, which is your web server. I do remember us working on a project where I just solely worked on the UI, however, and I thought so, like, correct me if I'm wrong and whatever, that we were using Nginx instead of Apache, but Node was involved, I thought. Node.js was involved. Unless I was incorrect. I think it was the first iteration of the hat website, actually. Is that correct? Like how how is the uh so yes, sorry, I should I should clarify. They uh they can work in tandem for sure. So Node.js can just be an API server, like you can just have regular API routes there. That you know you hit slash API and it returns a bunch of value about a bunch of values from a database for you. That's like a typical backend, but it can also be the uh, actual like web server as well. So Node can be the web server as well as the pure API server. And sometimes they do work in tandem, but sometimes you you do use Node as the web server. Is there a benefit or a uh, or like an obvious one, because obviously there's pros and cons to every situation. But is there an obvious benefit or detriment to using Nginx with Node.js or just using Node.js as the, the web server itself? I, I don't know enough to comment on. Like, I don't know enough about the positive, like the you know pros and cons of each one to be able to kind of give a de- definitive answer. So I'm just, 
I'm just going to say like you can do it both ways. Um, there's probably benefits to one or the other. There's probably detriments to combining them. There's probably a lot of different ways that people do it. Uh, I'm Again, it's one of those things where a lot of this is done for us now, which is great. But on the other hand, when stuff goes wrong, because of the abstraction layers that are built into systems like Vercel, like hosting deployment and hosting systems like Vercel and Netlify, when stuff goes wrong, you don't have access to those layers that like the Apache layer, the Nginx layer, you don't have access to any of that. So you don't know what's wrong. Right. And so when you're evaluating these systems, like is this an Apache or is this a node environment or is this, you know, Nginx, whatever, you, I just don't dive into that as deeply anymore. I used to when I had to host it on a VPS, like when we were doing it with, uh, like you were talking about with, um, with uh, Docker and a VPS for the HTML things website, I was doing all of the all of the infrastructure for that top to bottom. So I created the full Docker file. I created everything that communicated. So the Nginx would communicate with the Node.js server. The Node.js server would internally communicate with the Vue.js front end, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. Right. All those communications have to be manually built. So I had to learn all that. And that was a lot like that was this is where what you're talking about, like, can you actually be a full stack developer, like a good full stack developer in that situation? In my opinion, that makes it extremely difficult. But when you have abstraction layers like a Vercel, like a Netlify, like a Next.js, because Next.js abstracts Node.js for you, right? Like you don't have to know Node to be able to build a Next.js application. You only need to know React and a little bit of the Next.js syntax, which is found in the docs or the getting started guides. So it abstracts many different things. And then you build, you abstract that on top of something like Vercel and that abstracts all of that hosting platform for you. So now you have an ability, now you have a full hosting infrastructure, a full deployment infrastructure, a full uh, backend infrastructure, essentially, that's serving your website, all abstracted for you. So you're just as a, you're doing full stack and I'm doing, I'm putting quotes out there, but really you're focusing on the front end, right? So like a lot of a lot of what you're doing is on the front end. I'll talk a little bit more about how there's more abstraction now so that you can even do a lot of more back end. But essentially what I'm saying is the more abstraction that happens, yes, you start to lose a little bit of, of that knowledge of the in-depth configuration of these servers and how they communicate with each other. But you start to gain the time back to be able to actually create the right infrastructure for yourself to be able to build these complex systems that can communicate with each other, like authentication systems, databases, all that, without needing a million different skills. You're limiting how much you have to learn from the ground up. I'm getting the impression here, and it, and it's like a red, it, well, it isn't like a red flag. It is a red flag in my in my thought process that I understand what you're saying. You know, there's an abstraction here, but largely the way I'm taking it if I were to compare it directly to something, it's code versus no code where co no code has abstracted code to the point where you're filling out forms, you're clicking and dragging things in a variety of different experiences based on the no code app you're using. And you're able to quote unquote code up a website. So in this case, you're quote unquote full stack developing. And it's a little bit, this is where my alarm bell goes off. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because I don't have an alarm bell necessarily with no code, which is why it's weird for me to have an alarm bell here. 
But the reason why I do is because right now I've been we're using a lot of uh, WordPress. A lot of the sites we, that, that we've been brought, a lot of the sites that we've been maintaining, et cetera, have been WordPress websites. And a lot of those sites are sitting on generally a, like a shared hosting server. And you're, with the exception of, say, cPanel, you're interacting directly with the server. cPanel is just an interface that we can use. It's kind of like Plesk, but it's just a different brand and whatever. There's other changes, but there's other differences. But at the end of the day, like cPanel is an interface for me to interface with all these things. I go in, I have a file manager, I upload my files, I have a database thing, a database, uh, you know, creator I can create. I can back things up, create databases. I can back up databases. I can back up the files. Uh, I can do all this, this stuff. But what I'm doing is I'm doing it's very, it's very much on the server. Like it's rather close to the metal, as we say, like close to that silicon, if you, if you will. And, you know, cPanel is, is an abstraction to a degree where I just use the file manager. Oftentimes I, um, have kind of lost some of my command line flipping through files skill. I'm sure I could get it back, but I'm rusty because the file manager just makes it a little easier, especially when I want to just download a folder and walk away. It just zips it in the background and whatever the, like, you know, the list goes on of pros and cons, but I'm still doing all of those tasks. In the same, in, in a very similar way to how they are being done, unabstracted. Yeah, I'm no longer using commands in a command line, but I am using, I am clicking that command button. Like I'm clicking copy. I'm just not writing CP or whatever, whatever the command is. So I'm just, I, there's an alarm bell here because I want to actually compare this to an out, an outside situation that we're having, at least here in Canada, which is we have a shortage of tradespeople. It's going to sound weird, but trust me, it comes back to this. We have a shortage of tradespeople here and for various reasons and whatever, but we have a shortage of tradespeople. And so the trades are being absolutely screwed in terms of scheduling. It's hard to get, you know, plumbers and this and that, depending on where you live, of course, but it, it's hard to get plumbers and electricians. Uh, it's hard to get things built and fixed because these contractors are so uh, slammed with work and they're also getting paid a whole bunch more than say you would normally expect because obviously, you know, supply and demand. Are we going to have the same situation in 10 years or maybe the beginning of the same situation in 10 years with server administrators where we're going to be so abstracted? Like this is say, Level one, it might even be more than that, but let's say this is level one of abstraction. So you think, oh, great, you know, I can come in here and, you know, put, pull in these numbers from an, from an API and whether it's a remote API or one that I, I'm doing from like a, a database that I made and you know, I can rip these numbers around, toss these things around and do all this. But then one day, like the cache breaks and it breaks so bad that someone has to get into the back end and who knows how to do that? Who knows how to do that type of thing anymore? So on one hand, you are like, there, there is some truth to that, right? But I'll, I'll kind of counter it a little bit. The cPanel abstraction, like you said, it is an abstraction. That is a very basic abstraction layer. The abstraction layers, and this is why full stack development has changed in 2023, like going back to the title topic. The abstraction layers have gotten absurdly good and they're getting better and better and better, right? So 
on that front, abstraction is a really good thing because it's not for everyone. Like you said, uh, you don't have full control. So if you need a website that does, you know, 10, 15 million hits per day, something crazy, right? Abstraction is probably not a good thing for you because you are relying on it heavily, heavily. So you need to control every little piece, like the load balancing, everything. That's what AWS is for. So you go to something like AWS, you manage the server infrastructure yourself with the team and all that, et cetera, et cetera. But for the 95% or the 99% even of people building regular applications for internal tooling, like internal tooling is a big one, for uh, you know niche audiences, for whatever, that kind of server level management is a deterrent to getting into the industry. And I'll explain. If you're building an application for the, you know, welding society of Ontario to help them track their welds better so that you can see how it affects their eyesight. I don't know. That's just a random thought that occurred in my head that probably is some somewhat legit could happen. Uh, if you're doing that and you have a budget X amount, you probably won't be able to hire a full on dev team to manage your server infrastructure, to do a full stack application for the welders to be able to log in, to log the hours that they welded, how much they welded that day, and then every you know two weeks do an eye test and log that information in there, right? You don't have the server, if the, the budget to hire three or four AWS engineers to build your server infrastructure to get that set up. But you might have a budget for one or two full stack developers to use abstraction layers like Next.js, like Vercel, like a PlanetScale da- database or whatever other you know uh, cloud database like Firebase or something like that to build on top of that. They could do that faster. And onto the point of losing that knowledge, the reason that I don't think that's going to be a serious issue, it might be, a, it might be an issue at some point down the line. But the reason I don't think it's going to be a serious issue is tech industry is still growing. There are more, there are a lot of people getting into tech on like the branches uh, in tech are, you know, almost infinite at this point. Like when you, when you get your degree or if you are self-learning or whatever, when you've ever seen a roadmap, you, the roadmaps look daunting as hell. And it's because there's just so many millions of choices and more and more people are getting in and more and more people are going down those little rabbit holes and stuff like that, or uh, the trails to different elements of the, in the tech field. The way that it's going to get preserved is these companies, so like Vercel, those hosting platforms that abstracted for you, it's not that they don't, you know, they don't give you access to their servers. They have their own teams that manage the servers. So you rely on them, similar to how WordPress hosting works. You call up your WordPress host if something goes down and they fix it for you. That team knows what's going on. They're going into the CLI. They're going into whatever their non-abstracted layers are and they're fixing it. So they have a lot of knowledge there. You're doing the same thing. And as the demand for this stuff grows, as will the support teams grow as well. So yes, random Joe won't be able to, won't need to know how to set up their own server and won't need, won't know all the communication that needs to happen between Nginx and Node.js and all that to get it to work. But that random Joe probably would have never gone down that path anyway, because he would have not like that, that project would never get greenlit. Like the welding project that I just talked about would never get greenlit in a scenario that didn't have this abstraction. 
because it would, the budget would just be too high. So the abstraction layer lowers the level required to enter into these complex applications, allowing for more of them to be built out, allowing for more abstraction layers to be built better and better and better, and allowing the teams that these abstraction layers provide, like have to grow exponentially. Like Vercel was valued at a billion dollars or something like that. Like they're, these developer tooling platforms are becoming massive, massive organizations. They're not little, you know, open source five, five nerds in a basement type things. These are massive orgs with massive orgs charts and stuff like that and big teams in different realms of the, of the uh, infrastructure. So it's just the demand for features and the demand for applications is increasing more and more every year to the point where you need to provide an easier way for people to get in. And that's what these things do. A light bulb went off my head in the middle of you talking because I started thinking to myself, when you mentioned specifically, you know, you call your host and they fix it. I remember us being on this show a few times and in our discord, I think a couple of times too, and us discussing networking because you and I have networking knowledge and obviously websites involve networking. They're there to be a consumed usually by the public access accessed by the public and web developers know nothing about networking. They don't need to, they like we, they can, like we do, of course, but if you had a networking problem, would you call a web developer or would you call the network engineer? And the I network engineer is almost network engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And a network engineer would be the abstraction, would be the abstraction for the web developer in this particular case. So as this, as one of these branches, like you mentioned, splint as it splinters and splinters and splinters or grows, if you will. And more and more branches come out. Some people are going to be super passionate about like the hard, the hardware, um, of uh, a data center. So like DCM, data center management is what it's commonly called. And those people will be the people that wire things up, hook up the servers, do this and that. And then someone else is going to come in there and ensure that this server, that's a piece of hardware that could do anything from serving images to just storing stuff to, I don't know, beeping. <laughs> Um, it does what it's supposed to do. It does what it's supposed to do. It does. It, it performs as a web server. It performs as, as it performs as that. And then someone else comes in and makes sure that that, that thing is networked correctly. And then someone else comes in and builds an application that uses that. So it's almost like every level of tech, every splinter, every different field that's coming up is another abstraction to somebody else, which absolutely makes sense because if I have a serious problem with Webflow, even if I even though with my knowledge, I probably could solve a lot of problems with a server, maybe not Webflow's problems, but you know, I could, I could certainly get into a server and cause I host servers just in, even in my home and I can get in there and be like, what's going on here? And I could fix the networking and stuff like that. Um, there is an abstraction level layer there where you go, Hey, you know what? Like I got to call Webflow. Like there's something going on just due to access. Cause I don't have access to the servers backend, but Webflow is designed for designers who, who are supposed to design. They're not supposed to do technical things. Um, and they can, and there's nothing against that, but it, it's, it's just, that's not what they're doing at that time. It's not what they're expected to know. And so everything that, that's super interesting. Cause I guess it's like how, like, 
I would, if I'm worrying about it like this, it's like, I really should be worrying about learning how to fix my own vehicle because my mechanic, it does like, I always bring it back to cars, but it's, it's like my mechanic abstracts what, what I'm like, you know what I mean? Like if something starts ticking, I don't know. So I go to him and he's abstracting. He's like, Oh, it was this and that valve or something. It's like, okay, cool, man. And you walk away because it that level, that little bit has been abstracted. But I'm not worried about that going away. I don't know how to do my plumbing in the house. You know, I don't know how to do the drywalling or whatever and whatever. And like, sure, I could learn some of this stuff, whatever. But the whole point of the matter is, is that abstraction is almost the name of the game. And so you could almost say that this is um, web development, uh, web development maturing in a way. Because yes. even IT, if you're a Windows expert, who knows how to make windows work underneath the hood? Now, sh- I'm sure there's going to be some stuff lost to time and whatever, whatever. Like it's a I'm sure it's a fight of history versus, oh, you know, we're so advanced that we only know how to build at this level and we don't know how to build at this level anymore. Whatever. But in terms of this, you're right. It's like we're. it kind of feels like we're in our infancy of maturity, if that makes sense. We're in the, the very first stages of maturity to the point where we are abstracting even for the pros, you know, no code was one abstraction. Now the pros are getting their abstraction. Fascinating. Okay. Interesting. That, that is exactly the right way to think about it. It is a maturing of the web development industry to get to this point, right? This isn't a reversion. This isn't a way back. A lot of people, there was a kind of a controversial tweet yesterday saying that front end web development is in chaos right now is a chaos right now. From one point, I understand what they're saying with the amount of choice and the amount of new frameworks that are coming out. It can be daunting. But from a very other, more realistic and more real point of view, it's getting better in almost every metric. Everything is getting easier, cheaper. It's getting faster. It's getting uh, more clear. Like there's less ambiguity nowadays, even though there's a million different choices but even those within those choices, it's a little bit more clear how to do things a certain way. You don't like instead of doing things a 10 billion different ways, there's only like a million different ways to do something now. Like that stuff is getting better 100%. And this is what's happening. Abstraction is helping us get there because it's hiding away the stuff that we don't need to worry about. At least, again, 95% of the projects. There's that 5% like Amazon that obviously need to manage their own servers. There's a a ludicrous amount of stuff going on there that having an abstraction layer is a huge detriment to them, right? Having any sort of abstraction, they need to be on bare metal as much as possible. And that makes sense. But for 95% of projects, when you're building or when you're choosing your technology, you want to take the abstraction that works for you. Not the maximum abstraction, but the abstraction that works for your certain scenario. And yeah, that's a really good point. What I want to mention before we move on to like the next stage, like what another phase of development, full stack development changing is with these next Nuxt and SvelteKit application or uh, frameworks, there are limitations to how they run their backend. So you can write Express API stuff. Express is a Node.js framework that allows you to write like uh, routing a, a route so that when someone hits your slash API dom- um, endpoint, you can do something there in Node.js. So you can, you know, check the file system, uh, rent, like take a look at how many users are in your file system or return the number of users. Just as an example, right, in Node.js, because Node.js has access to your file system, you're allowed to do that kind of stuff. 
So Express is a framework on top of that. That's what you can run inside of these frameworks. You can run Express.js or you can write Express APIs right inside uh, your same file structure. They are served as either edge functions or serverless functions, depending on how you set it up. Those edge functions and serverless functions have limitations. So this isn't a one-to-one replacement of a full backend. It's a replacement for most backends because most backends will be okay with these limitations. But the main limitation that you have to worry about is time of running. They can usually only run up to a minute. So if your function takes longer than a minute, like if it's processing a massive database of stuff and returning, uh, you know, some sort of element to you after like five minutes of processing, that is the definition of something you shouldn't use this for. This is something where it's like almost instantaneous kind of lookup. So you're looking up a user in a database. That's instantaneous. You're looking up a po- like a, a list of posts in a database. That's instantaneous. You're looking up any sort of uh, something in your file system real quick, something like that. Like it's something that, you know, you, you expect to take under a minute always. Those are the kinds of functions you would write inside your API. The authentication middleware is a perfect example. Authentication has to be done on a server because there's a lot, there's a bunch of sensitive information like password and hashes and environment variables that go into authenticating someone. That has to be done on a server because anything you do in the client is obviously open. So authentication is quick and it has a lot of secure data. So that's the perfect ex- uh, use case for these APIs, for these route based APIs. Again, looking up posts, looking up if you're making a Twitter clone, looking up tweets, all that is fair game. That's what you use these for. You don't use these for a cron job that has to run for three hours every night to uh, clean your database or to, uh, you know, send out a million emails to all your clients, stuff like that. Like, that's not what you use it for. So this isn't a one-stop solution. This is a solution for very specific problems. Next thing here, uh, what we're going to talk about is the progression of where this is going. So where we are... Now, like where we were is now we have these frameworks that allow us to build really complex applications all in one repo. What we need next is is a way to handle the data. So data is a really important factor when building safe applications for the web or for any really platform. So when you have data flow from, let's say, a database to a front end, a lot of times you don't like for on the web, especially you don't know what's in your database. So you kind of just almost guess or you trust an API documentation or something like that. So you just, you know, you hope that whatever they tell you is what you're going to get, right? That's how we've been doing it for a long time. That's how we're probably, most of us are still doing it right now. What's changed is the ability to actually type the data from database all the way to front end so that those mistakes cannot be made. So that when you deploy an application before deployment, your IDE like VS Code will catch any issues between those two points. So if you accidentally are requesting a an, um, an age element on your user, but in your database, there is no age on your user, it will error out. It won't even let you deploy it. It'll, it won't even let you build. It'll give you a red file saying that something's wrong. As soon as you remove that, it'll be good. That's 
that's where we're going with this. So this is the more a little bit more complex conversation. And we're going to be talking about something like Prisma, which is an ORM. I'll explain that. TRPC, which is an API library that helps with this process that I just described. And TypeScript, which is a type uh, identifier, a, a type framework for JavaScript, allowing you to actually take JavaScript and have strong types in it. Now, let me explain what TypeScript is before we do anything. Can I actually just more. jump in really quick? Yes, for sure. I, as I have a question, uh, I want to do this right before because I know we covered three things like Next, Nux, and Svelkit. And now we're about to jump into three more things. I want to jump in in the middle here because um, I just had a question. So the way I'm envisioning this in my head is because, I, like I said, I've been using like using WordPress a lot. And so you install WordPress, you have WordPress there. Here's your default WordPress new install. And you want to add stuff to it. You start downloading plugins, you start configuring this stuff. So the way I'm envisioning this roughly, obviously it's not going to be the same thing, is that I have JavaScript, which is just in the browser or whatever, in a file that I've written a little script up. And now I'm quote unquote installing these plugins. I'm installing Next, Nux, and Svelte, Kit, or like the applicable ones, obviously not everything all at once. Um, I'm installing Plisma, excuse me, Prisma, TRPC, and TypeScript. Is that correct? Or is this... Um, like I'm installing one big package and it just has all this and we need to discuss it in separate ways. So or, or I, explain it, I guess, separately. So, no, I think that's a really good way to think about it. I would put Next, Nuxt, and SvelteKit as your WordPress. Okay. So that's the base, right? And then Prisma, TRPC, and TypeScript are your plugins. Okay. All of varying complexity and varying touch touch points. Right, yep. like where it actually plugs in, but that's just like a plugin. Plugins can be just UI, just database, whatever. So that's that's how you think about it. Okay. And it's yeah, it's all managed through uh, like you know a plug a uh, package manager, similar to how WordPress has the package managers in it. So yes, a very good comparison. It is a plugin. Okay. So let's get right into TypeScript here. So again, TypeScript is a way for JavaScript to have strong type definition which essentially means right in your IDE, like VS Code, if you use VS Code, you can assign a variable, any type, like number, string, object, whatever. And wherever you use that variable, it will know what type it is expected. So for example, if you try to set a numbered typed variable to a string, it will error out. It will give you an error and it'll underline that statement that you're trying to do in your IDE. That's not something that happens with JavaScript because remember in JavaScript, all we have to for, for any sort of variable declaration is let, const, and var. This adds another element to that. And so when it errors out, not only does it just put a line under it, you can hover over and it'll tell you exactly what the error is and usually how to fix it and where to fix it. So you can, it allows you to jump, like if let's say you declared that variable in a different file, it'll allow you to jump straight from there to the file you declared the variable so that you can go ahead and fix that issue. So that's a big part of TypeScript. A bigger part of TypeScript is the ability to autocomplete. So if you declare a type that has like a, an object that has, you know, five different classes or five different attributes in it, like age, name, uh, I don't know, address, whatever, like all those different attributes of a user. Favorite color. You, <laughs> whatever. Favorite color, whatever, yeah. 
and you go and start instantiating that object, so you need to fill up, fill out a user, it will show you all of those different elements, all those different, uh, all those different attributes that you've already declared right off the bat. You don't have to go back to where you declared it. As soon as you start typing that user dot whatever, it'll show you what's in it and it'll show you what type it is. So if like the age is an int, a number, it'll show you that, Hey, you got to put a number in here. It'll, it'll help you along the way. And I think that's, what's undersold about TypeScript. Everyone's just always like, Oh, you got to type everything. You got to type everything. That's great. It's great for maintainability. It's great for all that. But if you're selling TypeScript to a new person, to a person that's just learning, they don't care about that. They don't care about typing and I don't blame them. What they will care about is making their life easier with auto-completion. Doing a little bit of setup work at the beginning to be able to then use that same variable across your entire file to be able to see exactly what you need to put in it without going from file to file and stuff like that. That's a huge benefit. Trust me. As soon as you start using it, that's what that's what fully uh, put me into the TypeScript camp, not typing. Typing is great. Again, it's just not, it's not really that fun. One thing I do have a question here, actually. So I, I hear a lot about TypeScript on, on, on Twitter and a lot of it's actually people complaining because they've learned JavaScript and then they're trying to learn TypeScript. Um, you know, we're talking about a combination here. Like we said, TypeScript, TRPC, which we will cover in Prisma, which we will cover as well. Um, is this something where, you should be learning each of these and I guess specifically TypeScript individually, or should you be grabbing, you know, your next, your Nuxt or your Svelte kit and then dumping these three in the next three things. So the TypeScript, the TRPC and the Prisma in and learning all three of those subsequent quote unquote plugins together, <laughs> or should you be learning each of these individually? Uh, it's, it's a really good question. And Unfortunately, it's going to have the same answer that I always give, which it depends. Um, for me, I learned TypeScript separately from these, and I think that was the right move because there's a lot to learn here. I'm what I'm describing right now as the you know where the full stack is going. I'm not saying that this is the easiest thing in the world either. This is not a starter full stack framework, if I might say. Uh, this is a more advanced. This is why I had that disclaimer at the very start of this episode. This is a more advanced setup. For sure. And it's not something that you're going to read and be like, oh, I understand this right away. That's not going to happen unless you're a genius, obviously, and you've like, I mean, or you've you've played around with these technologies before. Uh, before I fully dove into this stack, I learned TypeScript separately after JavaScript. I learned Prisma, which is another thing I'll cover in a second, separately away from TRPC. And even then, learning TRPC on top of those two things that I had already known pretty well was a task like it was something i had to sit down and troubleshoot my way through and learn it and stuff like that it wasn't just like plug and play this isn't a plugin you install and you're like i'm good to go now i understand everything everything is all right no you have to you have to play with it you have to get through you have to get through the setup process you have to get through some debug debugging but the payoff is where i think it becomes worth it. And again, I described what this allows you to do. The The ability to type from database to front end is something that is rare, like pretty rare in the JavaScript industry, at least. And that's something that this allows you to do. I think in other fields, database to, uh, to front end is something that is a more common thing, which is probably where this was born from. But overall, uh, that this is what it allows us to do. And it's, it's something that's, if you're, 
in a more advanced part of your career, I think it's a really key piece to start learning because I think it's going to be it's the it's where full stack development is heading for most projects. I can see it being a big thing. I know for we had Theo on the podcast, right? Uh, a little while ago, uh, he has a and he him and his community have a framework for this called T3 app that combines all of this makes a really nice starter for you to like go through a CLI process of choosing all the technologies you want to work with. Usually it's Prisma, TRPC, TypeScript, React, like Next.js, stuff like that. Like it gives you options and then it creates like a nice scaffolding project for you. So it's it gives you a lot of the initial setup so you don't have to go through that headache. But it's still, even with that, and it's a really good tool, you still have to kind of go through and learn all the different elements. You're going to struggle here and there with it and stuff like that. Like, how do you integrate something that is not part of it that becomes a challenge and stuff like that? So, so just what know would these people be doing easy. if they weren't going like all the way through? Sorry to interrupt, but like, what would they? So you're saying like, you know, this this like stack or this collection allows you to go in JavaScript straight through straight through database. Someone who's Typing. listening to this who is advanced through their career or is advanced in their career and they're not doing that. What are they doing? Like, how are oh, they well, updating the, the, the database with, like, PHP or something? So, a couple things. A couple things they could be doing. Uh, one, they could just not be caring about typing, because this is only types that I'm talking about. So, like, essentially, from the front end, when you uh, call an API, knowing exactly what that API is going to return is what I'm talking about. Okay. Or knowing what the API needs to receive, like, what you need to post into the API for us, for you to return X value. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's what this framework allows you to do. Know that without having to hop files, without having to read documentation, without having to do that, any of that. So the option is they could have just not cared about that feature and just read the documentation, trusted it and hope for the best, which is fine. Like that, that's been working for a long time. Or they could write custom uh, TypeScript files for each point in that send. So they could write a you know the schema for the database, a TypeScript file for the API in Node.js, so that it knows what like it, it mimic it in the database. So anytime you change it in the database, you have to change it in the TypeScript file for the node. And then you do the same thing for the front end. You write a no a TypeScript file for the front end where you have the types from the node API. So you have three separate type files that you have to maintain. If you ever change one of them, you have to change it in all three. Sounds like more like a chore, which is why it's a chore. Is, it's a, it's a massive the one, chore, or the the I don't know follow through method. I guess you could call it is is more attractive. Correct. That's exactly it. The follow through method, where how this works, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it right now, is with something like TRPC, it allows you to write a database schema essentially that your database is using, and have that being used on the back end and on the front end inherently. That's that's the I would say the most concise uh, explanation of what TRPC is. It took me a long time to get there. Hopefully, I'm right uh, because I haven't heard it described exactly like that before. But I think that's what made me understand that hey, this is this is the advantage of it more than anything else, right? This you're allowed to just know exactly what you're getting and what you need to send on the front end. So where this really comes into play is let's say you have two teams, one working on the back end part of the application, one working on the front end part of the application. 
they now like if the backend application if the backend changes the database schema, they will know that hey, this is affecting these files on the front end. So the front end needs to be changed accordingly, or the front end needs to be uh, adjusted, or you have to coordinate. Before there was no communication there, so you would just the backend team could just go in and be like, ah, we don't need this age. No errors would happen. Nothing. And the front end team would like they might just be screwed. Like the, the deployment would happen and it would crash the application because there's no you know compile step in uh, JavaScript usually for checking these kind of things. And this is what TypeScript comes in and come adds a compile step, and then TRPC adds a communication step between the front end and the back end. So the compile it's an additional step, not even a compile. It's real time development step where every time you change something, it immediately recompiles and gives you the declaration and the types and all that right on the front end. So it's a development tool more than anything, for sure. It's fast. Uh, there are other advantages to TRPC, like you can. it's easy to set up for batching calls. Uh, batching is a really good way to send multiple requests. So if you have like someone that needs to send like, you know, 15 requests to your database with one click, or maybe they clicked 15, like five or six different times in a second, Instead of sending five or six different requests, it'll automatically batch it into one request and then send run response, like to save your bandwidth and stuff like that. There are some other advantages of, of TRPC, um, but the main advantage is what I'm talking about with the typing. And that's the main advantage for the development experience. I've talked a lot about TRPC. I talk about a lot about Next.js. I just want to quickly, and this is going to be a quick one, touch on Prisma. Uh, because this one confused me when I first started it. Uh, I had no idea what an ORM was, first of all. I never had to work. Again, I'm a front-end developer, never had to work with the database. But an ORM is a abstraction layer on top of a database that allows you to communicate with the database without having to write SQL queries. That's just, that's the easiest way to I mean, that, that, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, so you, <laughs> instead of writing SQL queries, you just write like dot find by user. Okay. So it, it, it gives you an abstraction that writes the, like in the background, it writes the queries for you, obviously, but you don't have to worry about learning SQL. You just worry about how do I, you know, learn this documentation? Okay. Dot find by user and you're good to go. Like it, it, it's a really simple way to communicate with the database for someone again, that's not looking to become a professional at every aspect of the stack, but wants to be able to build full stack applications. Again, that's just my, that's how, that's how it made it into my mind as solidified. There are other benefits of an ORM. One of them is that let's say you build out a good Prisma ORM scheme, like, a, like all the data schema and all that in there. And you go, you need to go from SQL to Postgres on the database side. Your code doesn't really need to change. The only thing that needs to change is like the database layer. The ORM abstracts it so that it can talk to multiple different databases, different types of databases, right? So that's kind of a cool little feature of an ORM as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's really what Prisma does. Prisma is not the only ORM, but it is a very good TypeScript, JavaScript-based ORM that's focused on this. And since we're dealing with a lot of TypeScript, JavaScript in this stack, that's the reason that I, that I think Theo chose it for the T3 stack. A lot of, again, what I'm talking about now is the T3 stack. Uh, it is because of the T3 stack. Like I've, I've dived in after talking to Theo about it and after seeing him go crazy into how it works and what the, like the power for the power of it. Maybe I'll actually, I'll, I'll definitely link the T3 stack in the show notes. 
I'll probably link uh, Theo's YouTube channel because he talks a lot about this stuff in way more depth and knowledge than I can ever do uh, on, on a podcast, especially. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And there's a lot of benefits that are coming from something like the T3 stack from, from this new wave of, of full stack development that's happening right now. Is there some, you know, knowledge loss and stuff like that? Yes. But in my opinion, that is inevitable. If you want to, for instance, take on a side project that is a small full stack app in the, in the past, when I, if I had to spin up my own server infrastructure on a VPS, I probably wouldn't take that project on because it would have, you know, increased my time by three times. I would have to learn a lot of the different steps again and stuff like that. But now if I want to take on a side project that needs a simple database and authentication, there's enough abstraction there for a simple project that I'll do it. Like I just, it, it won't take me that long. I'll take on a side project and I'll be able to complete a full stack side project and deploy it quite easily, manage that deployment with all these different tools that we mentioned today. This is a, I mean, it's a bit of an eye-opening experience for me. Like I said, I've been working with so many site builders lately, working with small to medium businesses, working with WordPress on the medium-sized businesses that I, I'm so I'm so far removed. Like I am coding little bits and bobs here, maybe adding some filters in, in WordPress or making some little custom JavaScript plugins, uh, usually vanilla, or I think always vanilla JavaScript plugins in, um, in Webflow. So this, this type of stuff is always like really daunting, really daunting to me. And so I, I do have a question and, and I, I've asked the question many times, but if someone wants to get into this, um, and let's say they're like, they're like me, where, where would they start if they want? Do, do I just, you know, fire up, like I choose my React, my view or my Svelte, and then I install all of this. Or do I go to like I don't know vanilla JS, I guess, and then try to use TypeScript? Like where where would I where would I start the journey to learn this if I was gonna go do that? Yeah, if if your if your goal was to learn this, I would start with SvelteKit, just to give a clear direction for people. SvelteKit, add TypeScript into SvelteKit. That's the first thing you do. Learn TypeScript with SvelteKit at the same time. That will be an easier way and, and a more effective way of learning. Uh, once you understand TypeScript to a certain degree, you want to start communicating with the database, I would start with Prisma, just Prisma, and obviously a SQL or no SQL database, whatever. Uh, I would learn how TypeScript and SvelteKit communicate with Prisma. That's the next step. Once you have an, a basic understanding of that, that's when you start to reach for TRPC because now you know the benefit. Now you can see how, what it can do. It's still, I want to confirm that this is the way I did it. And it was still not easy to wrap your head around TRPC. So don't beat yourself up. If like you sit there one night and you can't get it, give yourself some time, right? Give you, let, let struggle. Struggling is good in web development. You want to struggle because that means you're out of your comfort zone. That's where you want to be for when you're learning. You don't want to be like, oh, this is easy. Oh, da, 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 da. Like that's not learning. You're, you're just. You're just patting yourself on the back. You want to be struggling. You want to be swearing a little bit. <laughs> you want to have those breakthrough moments. You don't want to be doing that for hours, but you know, every once in a while to be pissed off that something isn't running. That's how you know you're moving in the right direction. So that's what's going to happen with this. But as you start getting a clearer picture, clearer picture, clearer picture, and you put time into it, 
it will solidify in itself and you'll start understanding why this is talked about so much and why this all of a sudden can make you a better developer in the future. TRPC is the abstraction layer for SQL, right? Uh, no, Prisma is the abstraction layer for SQL. That's the ORM on top of SQL. Again, I said there was going to be a lot of jargon in this episode. I was so going to say, yeah, I'm going to get all turned around already. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. TRPC is the layer on top for the API communication between front end and back end. It's like the pipeline. The pipeline, yes. That's a good way to Instead put it. Instead of the separate files. Yes. And, and, well, it is still separate files, but it allows you to communicate between those files more effectively. It's a better pipeline between files. It's a lot. It's a lot to process. Again, this is not a, a, a very simple, it's not a simple topic in any way, shape or form, but just it is kind of an important one for people that are, even if you're just starting out to at least have a basic understanding of where the industry is going, right? Like you don't have to know this stuff after this right. podcast episode. But if you heard about it and if you listen to it and if you go out and you start exploring it, you'll have a better understanding of where it fits into the industry. I guess my one my one question here is, you know, a lot a lot of people, if they're if they're going to want to learn and and it, I guess I'm more talking to the camp that isn't specifically looking for a job, because if the industry is going this way and, you know, continues to go this way, you know, it's a, it's a rough estimate as to whether it's going to go this way in terms of job sure yeah job market on mass because god knows whether something comes in and kills typescript and it's a whole whatever but like you know a rough estimate would be that this is what people that want a job would maybe start learning for full stack is that a good is that a good way to say that i would say this is actually like i would say that that's it could be that but um i would say this is more for the people that just want to learn it that want to learn full stack development Rather than they're looking directly at like, I need a job right now. Because I, what I was going to say is one of the struggles I have with this type of stuff is, I, you know, I think to myself, okay, you know, today I'm going to go and learn a bit of Svelte or I'm going to go and learn a little bit of something. And then I, I, I hit a roadblock like anyone, just like how you, let's say you've learned JavaScript for a number of years or a number of months or whatever it is, however long it took you. And then you decide, you know what, I'm going to try to have an authentication system. And then you realize, well, hang on, you know, using vanilla JS and using an if statement with the password and plain text is not secure. It's not the proper way to do it. I need to have a database and yada, yada and security. So now I hit a roadblock and I need to, in the traditional sense, in this particular is like vanilla case, I need to go to PHP. I need to have a, a server or a database like SQL server, SQL database somewhere. And, you know, the, the list goes on, you know, the, the list goes on with that. I'm not going to get into all that type of stuff. But with this type of stuff, the one thing. And I don't know whether this is more of a comment or whether you could like help me with this at all, but it's like, okay, you know, maybe I've finished, like we got maybe three or four WordPress projects on the go right now. Maybe that stuff dies down and I go, you know what? Okay. You know, I'm going to take Mike's advice. Uh, I'm just going to flip on the old Svelte kit because I know a tiny bit of Svelte. And then already it's like I'm on rocky ground because it's like, well, hang on. Like I don't really know Svelte, but now I'm in Svelte kit. Okay. Well, all right, I'll try it. And then it's like, well, you know, let's mix in this other stuff, mix in this other stuff, mix in this other stuff. And 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 the thing that kills me with this stuff specifically is, yeah, it's another layer, another layer, another layer, which is a big part of the what kills me. But another thing is, is that at the end of the day, I'm going to try to make some sort of project with this thing, you know, probably just for fun or like a little, I don't know, gaming website or a little something that isn't supposed to be like a SaaS or something serious. It's more like a learning project. And I feel like I'm going to hit a roadblock where let's say I start, start with Svelkit 
And all of a sudden, I don't know how to communicate with my database. And the very first thing I'm going to do is Google it. And I'm not going to find this. I'm going to find 1,400 solutions. And I'm not going to know which one to go with. And then it's just going to be a big, a big damn mess. Like, I remember we were, I was working, I was working one time on, on a uh, CMS that we were learning and then didn't end up going with years ago. And I was thinking to myself, okay, like I want to just for testing and convenience, there was like a something where the user had to edit something manually. And I thought, well, you know, they always have to edit manually. I'll learn a little bit of how to interact with this thing because it's open source and I'll make it so it happens automatically under a certain set of circumstances. And I did it. It worked. But then all that got torn out because it's like, oh, that was an insecure way to do it. That's not how you're supposed to do that. But it's like, well, when I was Googling, this is all that showed up. And my specific piece of code wasn't there. But the endpoints that I was interacting with were there and they were the only things that were ever showing up. And I know that's one isolated example, but this is, I, this is where the, 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 the complexity of, of a full, of full stack development kind of comes into question because it's like, Hey, learn these four or five technologies. Okay. No, 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 don't do that anymore. Learn this technology. No, don't do that anymore. Okay. Learn this. And then I just go, you know, screw this. And I go back to WordPress. So, <sighs> This is going to be, you have to be afraid. You, you have to not be afraid to fail. That's, I mean, I don't want to quote Arnold, but I am going to quote Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. He. I was going to say like, hey, Arnold. Like, no, like not who? hey, Arnold. <laughs> like you don't want, you have to be okay with failure because it's going to 1000% happen. Like your, your, your description of, hey, I use the CMS and I did it my way and people said it was wrong. That is is what's going to happen when you do go into this stuff. That's not like a maybe or whatever. You are going to do it wrong. You're going to go down the wrong path. You're going to waste time here and there. But the end of the day, that's the only way to get to a working solution. And that's the only way to understand why that solution isn't the right one anyway. To actually do it, get told that you did it wrong, take that feedback and be like, okay, well, do I need to fix it? Is this project even live? You know, if this is live, then I'll fix it. And now you learn how to fix it. That is, that is the way like that, like literally that is the only way I know of how to learn every new technology I go into. I know that the first time I'm going to build with it or the second time I'm going to build with it. And the third time I'm going to build with it is probably going to be trash. And it's going to be the wrong way because like you said, there's 15 different ways to do everything and I don't know which one is right. So I'm just going to do it so that it works and hope for the best. That's literally, that's, that's how I go into a project, right? If someone tells me it's wrong, I am happy. That means that, Hey, someone can direct me in the right direction. Thank God. Like finally. So that, in my opinion, that's the only way to learn this technology. Like there is no other way. There is no other way to learn web development. If you're going into web development with a fear of failure, you're, you're going to fail learning web development. If that makes sense. For me, it's more of, a, I mentioned this before, it's less of a fear of failure and more like if I do something wrong, I get really pissed off. <laughs> and, and, but like, like I said, you have to, you have to get past that because you're going to do it wrong. Like you're going to do it wrong. Like I, there's no way, like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, Hey, you're going to, you know, this is the thing you should follow and you're going to do it right. Like you're not, it's just not going to happen. So you're, you have to be okay with doing it wrong. So that's, I mean, Maybe there's another way. I don't know. Like, but WordPress. I do it wrong all the freaking time. 
like all the time. So I don't know any other any other way. <laughs> WordPress or a no code system. Or sure, yeah, whatever. but even then, I, you I, can I, do I know there's wrong. weaknesses in those. Yeah. Like I know that they can't scale to things. They're not as customizable for major web apps that need to be totally customized to stuff like that. Which is which this type of stuff is. Um, I guess I guess where I'm getting caught up in a way too is that you know let's say I. I I'm pretty experienced with JavaScript. I'm pre- pretty experienced with like vanilla JavaScript. I'm pretty experienced with Webflow and I'm pretty experienced with WordPress. I'm a jack of all those trades. I'm not a master of any. But then to say like, well, just learn another six things. Sort of like, well, hang on. Like it's I got three things. No, but it's like I got three. You no, know, but that's the thing though. It's like, like how far in my app creation am I going to be able to get? Like all these things feel like they're so melded together and so required It'd be like saying, use WordPress without the menu. It's like, hang on, no. what? No, 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 no. Uh, that's, that's something I want to clear up. None of this is really that melded together and required. This is, just a, this is just a combination of stuff that works okay together, but they work separately all over the freaking place. Like, you My know, head's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, like, I, the, the, the issue is, Matt, that like, you have to be, my, my thought process is I'm learning these things, I'm going to get good at them, but they're going to be irrelevant in a week and I'll be learning other stuff. And I don't give a crap. Like, I don't give a crap. Like, I don't, it doesn't even affect me in one shape or form. Like, I will learn, I will learn a new technology every week if I have to. It does not bother me in one, in any shape or form. I'm not going to do it just for fun or, or just, just like, I mean, I mean, I might do it just for fun, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it for no reason. But if I see something two weeks from now that's significantly better than this experience, I'm not going to be afraid to jump ship. Oh, this is fucking wild. And this I, is, this, it's so, like I, get, it's such I'm, an anti IT. I know. The idea I know, but where I'm I so stuck in that yeah. idea where I'm like, how, like, like what's the longevity? That was going to be one of my questions. I knew, I knew the answer that, you yeah, know, was, Hey, this might blow up to, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and I, yes. so I was like, I'm not even going to ask Definitely. the longevity question. Yeah. But the concepts that you learn and the, the learning of the actual technology is going to help you regardless. Like as soon as you get better and better as you learn this stuff. So you'll learn SvelteKit, you'll learn TypeScript. React is going to be a joke after that. Learning like if, if TRPC is the thing that gets replaced in the future, whatever replaces TRPC is inherently going to be better than it and probably easier to learn. Right. So it's not like that knowledge is just wiped out, wiped clean, and now you're learning something completely new. A lot of the times that knowledge builds and builds and builds and then makes learning these things trivial. No matter what comes at you, that's where you want to get to where like it doesn't matter what the hell technology is thrown at you. You're just going to be like, okay, well, what's the documentation? Okay. All right. Let me implement that. I'm not there yet, but that's where I'm aiming to get to. I guess this is a little bit, I know always like, I know always. It almost sounds like I'm blaming school, but it's it's a little bit of school here too, uh, limitation too, because the teacher comes in and says, we're learning MATLAB today. And then it's like, well, I don't need to choose the tool. The tool is MATLAB. I must learn MATLAB. I must refer to the documentation of MATLAB. I must get better at MATLAB so I can use MATLAB. It's not, hey, here's a sea of 1,400 options and the classes. Choose a random one and get, <laughs> get graded on it. It's That's never, at least in my experience, the case. So it's very much like I'm sitting there thinking like, well, who's going to tell me what to, what tool to use so I don't need to to do this stuff? And I guess another problem, uh, almost this is all personal. I mean, it's the end of the show. So, I mean, like the, the lecture part of it's kind of over, but is that like I just like looking at or maybe making cool things. 
I don't have like necessarily a passion for the tech itself. Like it sounds like you have a passion for the tech itself. I have a passion for the end result or being like, Hey, cool. I made that thing or Hey, I made that UX really cool or stuff like that. It's like, I have the, I have more of a passion of the idea of the finished product and like work it toward the finished product, obviously like gets you that payoff. Whereas like, I don't care. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, you're like, Oh, TRPC, like I'll just replace it. Stuff like this. And I'm like, well, like I'll just leave. And go get a no code tool real quick because I'm trying to get, well, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to get that end result. I'm trying to get that cool end result. It's, it's a weird, I'm doing the like, same passion thing, I'm just doing it a different, I think, I think I'm doing it in a different path than you. Like, I, my goal is to just build cool shit and get the end result as well. I'll just do it in a different, like, I'll do it in a way that I can learn something new as well as utilize my skills and build on my skills. Right. Like, I'll, I don't like, I don't think I've ever, and this is not an exaggeration. I've never taken on a project where I've known more than 60% of what I need to build. That, that's a good, like, ne- I've never, ever, f- at least for the last eight years, known more than 60% diving into a new project. So I have to learn at yeah, least 40%. I can't, I can't do that. I at can't. least 40% <laughs> of what, of what is required on the project, like from scratch, usually. See the, the, the there is a difference between you and I there because I've definitely been talked like talked to people on Twitter and whatever, and there was one one incident, uh, not an incident, but one instance I should say sorry, where uh, it was like uh, we were talking about maps. It was public. It was on Twitter, and uh, I'm not going to get into the actual project itself because I was behind closed doors. But uh, it required like a Webflow integration with a specific map software, and I just straight up told the person like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I don't know how to integrate that map software. I've never done that. I've never integrated with any map software. I've always made my own. That's kind of where I'm at." It sounds like you would have just dove right in, whereas I'm like, "Hey, yeah. I don't know that, but." Now I'm interested and I've found examples. So now what I'll probably do is learn a little bit about that map software and or other map softwares with Webflow. Should the next uh, thing show up? This is how I learned WordPress and stuff. Again, I wouldn't have dove in right in if I've never seen a map or heard of a map before. Like that's, you know what I mean? Or never seen the map software. But if I've seen it already working live, I would probably dive in. But again, I do do some research before I accept something like if someone were to come to me and be like, I need you to make me a delivery system that can optimize so that my, you know, delivery drivers can uh, get to from point A to point B on time, right? That is a project that I know I'm going to reject right off the bat because it's a math problem. Like you can't do – like you, what, what, what he's asking for is impossible to do on a scale of infinite supercomputers, Right. Like I can get you can create a system that's somewhat effective, but it's not going to be the best right. because it's a, it's it's the traveling salesman problem. So I will go in and make sure that there are no math problems <laughs> in the problem that they're asking me where like it's literally, hey, I this is physically impossible. Like if, if I did this, I would win the the grant for the O negative problem, which is like a million dollars <laughs> or whatever. Like it's a million. It's just straight a million dollars if I in, uh, if I complete your project, not even from you. So. That's something that I vet. I vet, make sure that like I, I can understand the technology. Like I'm probably not going to take on, you know, a thing where I have to build in binary or like make a binary application. That's not going to happen. But it's just that, again, it's that 60% and I'm okay with the 40% uh, of unknown. I need to I need to have more than 50% though, for sure. Like I need to have known at least 50%. Before I dive in, I'm not going to dive into a Java project, for instance. I don't know anything about that. 
I think you and I should honestly have like one day if we if our schedules line up, you and I should have like a joint stream working session or something. Or I, or I I or you choose a project, just something you know whatever it doesn't need to be a SaaS or anything serious. Just make something, maybe even a fake SaaS, but some sort of project that would and could go live. Um, and you know, show me what the hell you do because like I'm going to sure. tackle it with a whole bunch of tools that are great for small and medium businesses, but you're going to tackle it with more of a, a little bit, I guess, closer to the metal or at least more of a programmatic, literally, I guess, approach, uh, which is interesting because it's, it's almost two sides of the fence there. And like, I mean, we're both going to come to pretty well the same result, but I'd be super interested to see how you would, would tackle it specifically. Cause you could see how I do it. <laughs> Most of it's public is, and I was using these tools, but. Uh, I'd be super interested to see that live and get a headache on air. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm down. We haven't done a hackathon in a really long time. I don't know if you want to call it a hackathon or more of a me, yeah. me sipping coffee and getting confused. Watching, <laughs> watching me swear. It's not like I don't get angry. I definitely still get angry. Man, I, man, I don't know how you deal with that. I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but yeah. damn. <laughs> damn. Anyway, uh, that concludes this episode. Uh, instead of opening the Patreon document, I accidentally opened up uh, my script for my my new TikTok, so that's that's real good. I almost started reading out the script there, <laughs> script there live about pseudo classes and pseudo elements. But anyway, got it open now. We are on Patreon if you want to support the show and episodes like this. That's Patreon.com/slash/html. All things and many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons: Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital and BlueBlackDigital.com, Tim from the Web Hacker on the Web Hacker.com, Bib Hashash and Nine Media and NineBlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from Yesweb via yesweb.se. Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff and Hale. And Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. And that's that concludes today's episode. I was going to say it's the first 2023 episode. It is not. It's probably the third. Get over it. It's no longer Happy New Year. It's just 2023. I'm just kidding. Anyway, this outro is going to sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.